You know, if anyone was to ever try and make the arguments that Brent Vittables and this staff, they're really good recruiters, what's the first thing that they would cite, Parker? The 2023 class, right? Uh, It's the highest-ranked class in the modern era for OU. It was a top-five class. Look what they did on the defensive side of the ball for the first time in a long time. There's evidence, there's proof that he can recruit and the staff can as well. And that's a really good place to start. And some might even mention what could be in this 2024 class, right? Look how they're set up with some certain defensive prospects, especially on the defensive line. But you know what people don't really bring up or talk about when they talk about the recruiting ability of the staff? How about the 2022 class? Now, I know that they had a sprint to the finish line in 2022, but a lot of that 2022 class kind of fell apart right right when they uh, took the job here at OU. And I just randomly went through the 22 class today. And Parker, I'm like, he's going to play. 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 I don't know if like the 2022 class is like the forgotten class, but there's going to be a ton of contributors from that class on the field this year. There absolutely is. And the day that Lincoln Riley accepted the USC job, I believe if my memory doesn't fail me, Oklahoma had the number seven recruiting class in the 2022 cycle. A week later, they had the number 21 class by virtue of several decommitments, naturally. By the end of the cycle, Venables and his assistants got Oklahoma back up to number nine in the country. Yeah. Amidst all of the turnover that came with a bombshell departure from the head coach less than three weeks before National Signing Day or early signing day, excuse me, and you end up closing the cycle with a bunch of guys that had roles for this team in year one. I look at our Mason Thomas as probably the most valuable late addition to that class for Oklahoma, but got Grayson Halton late. Nick you got Anderson. Jaden Gibson late. Did you get Nick Anderson late as Nick, well? Nick Anderson, he committed, I believe, in October, September, October. Muleshoe was still the head ball coach in Oklahoma when Nick Anderson flipped from Oregon. So, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't really qualify there. But Venables and staff did an outstanding job, not only of rebuilding the roster with future studs on the traditional recruiting trail, but also being able to plug holes with guys from the transfer portal that played a lot last year. And I know the team wasn't very good last year, but to identify a guy like C.J. Colden from Wyoming, yeah. pluck him out of the portal. Got your quarterback career, in the portal. Yeah, get a career high in interceptions from Colden as one of your top defensive players in 2022. Get a quarterback that was going to be at least a two-year guy in Dylan Gabriel and could help serve as a stopgap to whoever Lebby's hand-picked quarterback the future might be, and obviously that's Jackson Arnold now. Yeah, that that frenetic couple of months from the beginning of December 2021 to National Signing Day 2022 in February, Groundhog Day, remarkable work done by the Oklahoma State. Yeah, good point. Text line, Jaron Canick came in late. Um, he's yeah. got a chance to be a starter this year. Like, listen to this 2022 class and – you say yep to how many major contributors you hear uh, this year. Gentry Williams. Yep. Gavin Sawchuk. Uh-huh. Javante Barr. Yes and amen. RSJ. Yep. Jake Taylor. Jaron Canick. Kobe McKenzie. Nick Anderson. Jaden Gibson. Jacob Sexton. Grayson Halton. Jaden Rowe. R. Mason Thomas. I, I, again, I, I don't know if it's fair to claim 2022 is the forgotten class. It was just sandwiched in between like a really – interesting time for OU football but you look back and say dang man like that 
that 22 class got a chance to be pretty good, top to, top to bottom. Absolutely, and you know you have some guys in that cycle that have already contributed slash will contribute significantly in 2023, and you give Muleshoe and his assistants credit for some of those guys, i.e. Gentry Williams, for instance. But even so, even so, even after Muleshoe left, in really every case – the Sooner staff, the guys that stayed and the new guys that were brought in as on-field position coaches had to mend the fences with a lot of those guys that were looking elsewhere. I remember Robert Spears Jennings telling me that he was looking at visiting Baylor and Brent Venables called him and told him, you're not visiting Baylor. <laughs> he was like, okay, I'm not visiting Baylor. Um, uh, Javante Barnes was – he didn't announce until the All-American game, yeah, actually. So yeah. things were still in limbo for him, and he actually came down to Oklahoma and USC. But DeMarco Murray ended up saying no to Muleshoe, staying at his alma mater – and winning out, keeping Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk on board. Gentry Williams was looking around. Jaden Rowe was kind of looking around. Really, everybody – Jake Taylor was always in. Yeah. There, there were some guys in that class that were always in. Now, there were some guys that were not budging. We were but. hearing like uh, – well, hearing, but like Jackson State oh, was gosh. being floated around late for Gentry Williams. It was kind of like, yeah, I mean, probably still OU, USC here maybe, but – yeah, I mean, even Gentry, you had to close late on that one. So just interesting to look back on that class now and say, yeah, there's going to be some really good players that come out of that class, and we just don't talk about it um, as, as much. Uh, text line from the 405, how's Derek LeBlanc looking so far in practices? You know, the uh, the review from him is that he looks very gigantic yeah, out he's there huge. as a true freshman in practice. He's an enormous human being. If nothing else... That's a good place to start. All right, if nothing else, Derek LeBlanc is a big body, man. And if he doesn't touch the field much until 2024, that's fine because you brought in a bunch of upperclassmen, especially via the portal, that can play on the interior. But in terms of sheer physical ability and ceiling... Derek LeBlanc is pretty unparalleled when it comes to the interior defensive lineman at Oklahoma right now. Uh, for the 405, the thing I really like about the 2022 class is that there is a diverse group of guys from all position groups. No five-star players, but all guys with really high floors and great culture fits. Truly a foundational class. Yeah, I, that's a really good text, actually, because I think that class kind of sets what our expectations should be and are, like, moving forward, is... well. You didn't get a five-star with that class. And now we kind of expect, what, two, three, four, five stars, I think, each class moving forward. But it says a diverse group of guys from all position groups. We saw that last year, as good as we've seen it in, in a long time. We expect that to be the case moving forward, right? It's obviously it's obvious they're going to take a quarterback every single class. Uh, you take two, maybe three wide receivers in this class, a couple linebackers, but it's going to be – you know, so many of Muleshoe's classes were wide receiver heavy, it felt like. I, I mean, there's going to be position groups given the year. You're going to take more players than some other spots, but it's going to be mixed evenly across the board for the most part. I mean, it really is. Greg from Lawton says, in light of the past two recruiting classes and everything Parker just laid out, how in the world can anyone complain about recruiting? I just don't understand. And frankly, I'm not sure how you guys are able to be inundated daily by the doubters. Ah, Thanks. That's all good. Thanks for showing up every day. There are those of us who greatly appreciate what you do. Love you, Greg. Well, thank you, Greg and Lawton. <laughs> Wonderful text to start off the day with. Uh, from the 405, better finish top five in recruiting this year. Can't be the old Oklahoma if yeah, we don't. Well, there, there we go. go, Greg. Right and there, buddy. Right on cue. Uh, right I mean, I, I, I still think top five is in the cards. Now, Georgia is... 
<laughs> Georgia's kind of essentially already locked up a top five spot, yeah. it feels like. And then Michigan and Ohio State, especially Michigan, are going to make pretty good runs at it, too. So, uh, uh, there's only five slots, and uh, I mean OU's going to have to OU's going to have to land at least two of those defensive linemen to probably get there. Great point from the 909 too. Remember that eight day period that Kobe McKenzie was a Longhorn? I, of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's again just goes to show you. I remember him yeah. beat Bash Texas and then end up uh, flipping to them for eight days. Oh man, that was quite a time. But it just goes to show you, right? Yeah, there were plenty of those 2022s. What? Uh, commits slash signees, commits that ended up being signees that initially pledged under Mule Shoe and the old staff, but the new staff, when they got to town, they had to do some repair work on pretty much every single one of those guys. You're doing the uh, post-game show with us for the spring game, correct? Uh, that is the plan. I think uh, I'm going to guess Kobe McKenzie's name is brought up more than a few times yeah. on the two hours or however long you're on the post-game show with us. I, I just think that uh, Teddy and I were having this conversation – it sounds like he had a great year last year, even though we didn't see him on the field, like just development year. Um, he just he looks like a really good physical linebacker at this point, and I think he'll probably make a play or two that makes us say, whoa, Kobe McKenzie. And we'll probably be mentioning him quite a bit in the spring game, postgame show, if I had to guess. If I had to guess. I think we're probably talking a lot about Kobe. You pegging him as the MVP? Um, maybe the MVP of the linebackers. Like, I don't think... And that's not to say that I think he's going to be your best linebacker, but in terms of the actual spring game, like how much are we going to see Stutzman? We don't really need to see Stutzman all that lot, all no. that much. But we might see a lot of Kobe McKenzie, and yeah, I think that he could be the MVP of the backers that day. Joe in Tulsa says, do you guys see Robert Spears Jennings starting, and do you see Jaden Rowe on the two deep? Uh, those are both guys that are dealing with injuries right now, so I, I want to see them get back to full health before I start issuing predictions as to where they fall on the depth chart. One, one thing you can say with certainty right now is that OU has no shortage of viable contributors in the secondary. So if those guys don't work their way into the rotation in 2023, at least not in a big way, it's going to be okay. Uh, from the 580, just now able to join, can you talk on what is expected in the upcoming portal window? What areas do you see OU truly pursuing? <laughs> Speed? Yeah. Well, there's a there's a hint. Speed? That's like more than a hint, actually, right there. Um, I it, it, it yes, yeah, speed. I, I think it also obviously depends on who's in the portal and who's available. Like, I don't think they're going to go get a quarterback uh, this portal cycle necessarily, but like in terms of position of need depth wise, I immediately think of backer. Like, maybe they would add another linebacker, but I don't think they're going to take a body just a body. It's got to be a body that they feel pretty good about. And I think it also depends on who you lose, because I can tell you with certainty, OU will have portal casualties after spring ball. There will be at least a couple that decide to transfer out, or I should say have already decided to transfer out. So maybe you look for one-for-one one replacements for those guys, or maybe you take stock of another position group, and we know the offensive line is banged up, right? So maybe the circumstances surrounding the depth at one position group might not be the same as they were four weeks ago before spring practice started. But it's going to be on a need basis. What do you need more so than what do you want? What would you like to have as a luxury? And – that kind of brings us back to Brennan Thompson, Tyler. Yes, it does. And 
I understand that some will look at his situation. Some will look at the situation in Oklahoma's wide receiver room as well and conclude that, well, Brennan Thompson is more of a luxury than a need. But if there's one thing Oklahoma has lacked in recent years on both sides of the football, it's top-end speed and a guy that can break away, snap your fingers, and he's gone. You can't have enough of those guys. No, and you cannot have enough of those guys. And how much fun could a guy like that have – in Jeff Levy's offense because there is speed on this roster in guys like Gavin Freeman and Gavin Sawchuk and Jaquez Petaway. And I'd say Andrew Anthony in that group And Andrew Anthony is certainly – he has opened eyes this spring. But there's nobody nobody on the roster that's got Brendan Thompson speed. Sawchuk maybe. I take that back. Sawchuk might. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a, he's a track guy. He's I mean, he's <laughs> he'd be one of the fastest guys on your team. The chef from Comanche, not necessarily class ranking. It's what we do with the talent. Muleshoe proved high rank classes aren't all that if you don't develop talent once on campus. Yeah, I mean, I again, we went down the list of the 2022 class, and you're already very optimistic about several of those names. I can go. What was it? The 2019 class for uh, for Muleshoe. That was his highest ranked class, but you yes. go down that and you say, bust, 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 never played, never played, never played, <laughs> barely played. Transferred, yeah, transferred. Yeah, transferred, transferred. I mean, yeah, I, that's you, you, you can't have those types of classes, all those busts. I mean, that, that'll kill you. And Brent, uh, Brent, top to bottom, is bringing in some pretty good classes right now. Also, Chef, um, Texas would be a pretty good uh, – Texas and A&M would be a pretty good example of that as well. Yeah, well, and I think – a rejoinder that we will probably get with regard to the narrative that we have been pushing this segment on the 2022 class is that, well, there are some guys that haven't cracked it at Oklahoma or that didn't crack it. And that's true to an extent, right? Alton Tarver didn't make it. Nick Evers transferred. Jamari and Burt kind of buried on the depth chart right now. But you look at those guys, Cedric Roberts, another guy that transferred out, never having played a down in an Oklahoma uniform. But you look at those guys and you look at where they ranked relative to the class, those were kind of the guys where the expectation wasn't necessarily that they were going to be multi-year starters and or critical contributors on either side of the ball. They were more the guys in that mid-tier range where, you know what, if they pan out, great. If not, there are plenty of other guys that are going to be ahead of them on the depth chart anyway. Yeah. 405-651-3439 is the text line. ESPN had a story out yesterday ranking number one overall recruits in the ESPN era. So I said, huh, what about OU's best recruit in like the past seven, eight recruiting classes? I went back and looked at each top player, highly ranked player from each class since uh, back to 2015. Buddy, it is hit or miss, let me tell you that much. We'll share those names and get to your text as well on the other side. Keep it locked in the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans inside the Buffalo Wild Wings studio and the Ref Army listening nationwide today. Webster, New York is tuned in. Baltimore, Maryland, Surprise, Arizona, Lakeland, Florida, Wichita Falls, Texas, Boardman, Oregon. And I had a small town of the day picked out. I won't tell you which one it was, but someone on the text line says, hey, how about Perry, Oklahoma as your shout-out small town of the day? Deal? If you want to request small town of the day on the uh, text line, uh, absolutely. I won't even have to scroll through Oklahoma on the app map to find a small town. You guys could just text it in every single day. So, yeah, Perry, Oklahoma, 
Appreciate you tuning in today via the KREF app. Just search KREF in the App Store. Uh, Ref Army listening nationwide brought to you by k Furniture Consignment with locations in OKC and in Norman on Main Street. Eight years strong with same-day pickup and delivery. k is open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 5 or until the last customer leaves. k Furniture and Consignment. Uh, this text from the 405 says SEC 14 pod. OU, Texas, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas. Uh, I think we're going with the uh, 3-6 scheduling model. Last time I checked, correct? Isn't that still the, uh, the scuttlebutt? Yeah, that's kind of still the plan. And the thought is that OU's three permanent opponents will be Texas, Missouri, and Florida, which I'm, I'm all I'm, – for, for this is a recruiting show. From a recruiting standpoint, it makes a lot of sense for OU. Agreed, because you get to you get to play a game down in the Sunshine State. You know that's going to be well attended by recruits every single year. And I think one thing that probably isn't isn't acknowledged as much as it should be is that OU and Florida tend to do battle for a lot of the same players on the recruiting trail. Now, I wouldn't say there is as much overlap between say Oklahoma and Texas A and M, for instance. Sure, but. OU and Florida, they, those two programs do have plenty of overlap in terms of their recruiting targets. I guess a and is probably their second biggest recruiting rival. Texas is their biggest rival overall. It's also their biggest recruiting rival. And probably A&M, right? OU's second biggest recruiting rival? More times than not? Yeah, I'd probably say that that's the case. Yeah. I don't know if OU has a recruiting rival outside that. Um, by the way, I went back and looked at uh, top recruits uh-huh. from the 2023 to the 2015 class. <laughs> Tell me how hit or miss this is. Jackson Arnold this past year, 2023. We'll see about that one, right? Gentry Williams in 2022, the number 93 overall player. Feels like he's going to be a starter this year. Yep. Caleb Williams, Carl's Jr. himself in 2021, number 7 overall player. 2020, you had Nate Anderson. Nate Anderson. As your uh, highest-ranked prospect, Nate the number 90 Anderson. overall player. 2019, Jaden Hazelwood was your top-ranked player, number 4 in the country. 2018 was Bray Walker, number 29 overall Oof. player. Uh, 2017 was Justin Broyles, the number 83 <laughs> overall player. 2016 was Caleb Kelly, number 24 overall player. 2015 was Neville Gallimore, the number 71 overall player. So OU has not knocked it out of the park here recently with their highest-ranked recruit in the class. Let's, uh, let's hope that changes here moving forward. Man, that really is hit. That's about as hit or miss as it gets, man. man. When in back-to-back classes, your top recruits are Nate Anderson and Caleb Williams. Seriously. That is something. Yeah, and some of these guys didn't even finish their career at OU, and they're the highest-ranked player in the entire class. What is Bray Walker doing at this very he's moment He's still in time? technically in the portal, correct? I'm going to guess he's not playing football next year, but... He hasn't landed anywhere to my knowledge. Did, so. he, did he officially enter into the portal? Yeah. Yeah, no, okay. he's in the portal. And I, uh, I know he tried to, what, a year and a half ago yeah, when they came after back the to Alamo Bowl, Or before the Alamo Bowl. He came back for the Alamo Bowl because then he decided, oh, wait, I actually can't go anywhere. Uh, he's not the only one that I think is stuck in portal hell right now. I think pretty sure Trayvon West is still there. I think Brian Darby is still there. They might not be the only ones. Uh a listener in the 918 says, I'm from Tulsa, but just left Ketchum, small town of the day off Grand Lake. Sorry, but Ketchum can never be the small town of the day. <laughs> Way to go, the, Jeff! 
<laughs> because of the connotation, we can never permit Ketchum, Oklahoma, to be the small town of the day. I agree. Apologies in advance. Uh, what about Boys City as small town way out in the western panhandle? Yes, I, I won't. I'll be out tomorrow. I'll be in the land of five-star prospects, Kansas City, which since they're turning out five-star prospects oh, really? recently. I, I'll be there Saturday. I will be there Saturday as well. Oh, okay. We'll come out Squat to, up. Come you out be there Sunday? Uh, coming back Sunday. Oh, dang it. Come out to uh, Kauffman Stadium at 310 Central Time. That's where you can find me in Kansas I'll City. I'll probably be in Junction City about that time. Hmm. Well, you can be there in, in spirits. Uh, I'll I eat, will. I'll I will some, be there in spirit. I'll eat some ballpark food for you. I haven't been to Kauffman in like... What six seven years? It's pretty cool. Eight it's, years? A, it's a cool park. Not my favorite, but it's it's a cool park. Uh, at least Neville Gallimore has carved out a nice NFL career. Yeah, he has with the Dallas Cowboys uh, for sure. He's he's actually carved out a, a really nice NFL career up to this point. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Um, oh boy. By the way, table all of your small town of the day suggestions yeah, because we've already selected Perry. Perry is the small town of the day. Tune in again tomorrow at 2 p.m. and text us your small town suggestions to try and have your small town nominated. Lloyd from El Reno says, will OU go after a wide receiver in the transfer portal? Well, Lloyd, will OU go after a wide receiver or will a wide receiver go after OU in the transfer portal? I don't know. Oh, man. Is, can we categorize Brennan Thompson as a wide receiver? I guess in technicality he is a wide receiver, but – it's almost not fair to pigeonhole him into that position because in an increasingly positionless era of football, he is one guy that I think similar to a Tavon Austin could simply be categorized as an athlete or Denard Robinson shout out offensive weapon. Ooh, nice. Nice. I like that. Remember when he got to the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yes. And they were like, Offensive weapon, Denard Robinson. Hmm. Uh, Sugar Shane in Newcastle says, I bet Jaden Gibson transfers. Uh, look, I mean, there, there's going to be some players that enter into the transfer portal after spring. Is Jaden Gibson one of those? I mean, I, I guess it obviously depends on if he's carved out a role, like what kind of spring he's had, who's in front of him right now. We'll, we'll see about we'll see about Jaden Gibson. I, I could see him maybe sticking it out until this season, but this is this is obviously a big spring and a big season for him for let, sure. Let me just put it this way: there are guys that I would say there are higher odds that they transfer out than Jaden Gibson. Uh, from the four hundred five, how is Trace Ford progressing? He is he's been limited this spring, correct? Isn't that what we heard before spring ball started? Yes. I, and I got to think that Trace Ford, like he's he's limited right now. But I think you know what you got when he's fully healthy, and that's your hope here, is that if he's fully healthy and playing like he did really at the front end of his career at Oklahoma State, then you're going to turn out with a pretty good portal player is what you're going to have. And a and, guy that's played a lot of football. And if he never turns out, guess what? You'll be just fine at edge anyway because you got Ethan Downs. You got P.J. Atabare. You got R. Mason Thomas. I know everybody hates him, but Reggie Grimes is still here. Marcus Stripling is a guy that seemingly everybody has forgotten about. He's here too. So you got numbers at edge. And Rondell Bothroyd as well. I don't think either people just don't realize he's an edge or they forget he's an edge. That's a guy that's going to give you plenty of snaps at defensive end as well. Uh, Worthy slash Thompson, a package deal. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the uh, Xavier Worthy rumors uh, continue on, which, I mean, he's – 
rumored to have been in the transfer portal uh, more than a few times in the past six months. How many times have we heard that from Xavier Worthy? Oh, gosh. I got sick. Because you remember, like, this was, we were lampooning that thought in January, back when transfer portal chaos was at its peak. And there was, there was an OU site in this market that took one of the jokes that I made about Xavier Worthy on these airwaves seriously. And used it to bash me. They're like, so I was still waiting on Xavier Worthy to OU. And really? somebody sent me that wow. screenshot. I was like, are they serious? Because I certainly was not. I don't know what website it is. Is it a website of aggregators? Is is that is that how they go about content? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Pretty fair? Okay. 580, I met Kobe McKenzie at the OU Oregon game, and he is a tremendous young man, personable, kind, and humble, hoping he has a great season. Uh, 405, any Oklahoma kid that we can rescue from Stillwater is a win. So we, I mean, the big recruiting news of the week is obviously Peyton Pierce going to Ohio State. That was unexpected in a bad way. No, that was an unexpected in a good way. But how about, is there anyone on the board right now that we could have another nice surprise, but maybe in a much more positive sense this time around? When we're talking about someone... uh, unexpected, maybe a little bit under the radar, that could drop a commitment soon that you could see OU making a run at at some point in the next few months. Anything like the Peyton Pierce effect, but the other way around for OU this time around. If I say the name of a three-star... Are people going to freak out? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, shoot. I got got to rethink this for a second. I got to come up with a guy who's currently a blue chip so that there is no meltdown. On the text, line. I, I I welcome the meltdown. Actually, I'm I'm here for it. Cause like here, here's the deal. <laughs> Michael Boganowski, for instance, is a guy that's a three star right now, but will absolutely not be a three star by the end of the cycle. And there are guys like that on Oklahoma's board. He's not the only one. A player that, while the recruiting profile says he's a three star for the moment, that kid's gonna rise and rise in a big way. So again, I would encourage everyone just as a general word to all who follow recruiting do not be a recruiting casual either follow recruiting or do not do not simply look at a player's profile and conclude oh he's a three-star he's not good enough to play at the university of oklahoma actually get to know the players that oklahoma is pursuing sorry i went off on a tangent. no it's uh, no it's 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 following it as a full-time job as i've uh, learned i have a prediction not trying to be a doomer but uh durham to lsu okay that okay that's that's real right now lsu is going to be a problem there but that's also really the only school that ou has to worry about in that battle it's ou where it's lsu for Caden durham and look i I guess after the Peyton Pierce deal, there's a bad taste in everybody's mouth, but I would still be very surprised if Caden Durham went to LSU. He is from Moore, the son of two Oklahoma alumni, wears number 29 in honor of one DeMarco Murray, and he's going to be in Norman on April 22nd. So I still feel all right about that That is the spring game dates for all of you that don't know the calendar around here. Sounds like he'll be a, a spring game attendee. Uh, all right, what does the running back picture currently look like right now? Is it becoming more clear? James Peoples recently committed to Ohio State. OU seemingly going to take two at that position. What's that look like? Is it becoming more clear? We'll talk about that. Get to your text. A whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. 
Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. If you're uh, desperate to watch uh, college football on TV tonight, and I mean really desperate, you can watch the Florida Spring Game, which will be this evening in the Swamp. You can watch the Florida Spring Game and see stars such as Graham Mertz and... Well, quarterback Graham Murch is really kind of all uh, it. Apparently, uh, he is having a great spring down there. The uh, former uh, Big Ten quarterback Graham Mertz, front runner for the uh, starting quarterback job down there at Florida, as uh, Anthony Richardson is off to the NFL draft. Remember well, when Graham Mertz was the toast of college football for like three weeks in 2019? And then Joe Burrow buried him in the headlines, and then he became basically every other Wisconsin quarterback that has ever Wisconsin quarterbacked. Yeah, I don't know. Have we heard about a Wisconsin quarterback since then? Is is Graham no. Mertz the the last Wisconsin quarterback we've heard from during the regular season? <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, that'll change uh, because they got Phil Longo as the OC, and uh, I don't know who starts. Probably Tanner Mordecai. Safe money is definitely on Tanner Mordecai. You'll start to – You'll start to see more offensive highlights from Wisconsin games on Saturday afternoons this fall than you have in years past. But, yes, Graham Mertz in 2019 was probably the last time any Wisconsin quarterback was actually making headlines. I guess uh, Tovani Mizell is at Florida today, tonight, in there for the spring game. Any clearer picture of the running back situation for OU in this 2024 class? Just waiting for the first domino to fall, man. And I think it could be Caden Durham. But I also think it could be Xavier Robinson. And Robinson is a guy that doesn't have to worry about his spot at OU. Durham's a guy that doesn't have to worry about his spot at OU either. But once those two commit, then you're looking at, okay, who's ready to jump in the boat and make it three? Because at that point, it's first come, first serve. I I still get the sense it's going to be Durham, Mizell, and Robinson in this class. That's an interesting move for Florida uh, to have a Thursday night spring game. I'm guessing that allowed them to be maybe they're on like SEC Network or something like that tonight. Was it 2019 that Oklahoma had a Friday night spring game? So wasn't that because of the weather that yeah. was moving in? And they really did it kind of last second, and it, it was it was pretty awesome. I, I'm curious, um, is everyone cool with having it? Saturday, 2.30, like you're having it, or would you rather have a Friday night, Thursday night, like more of a unique day, or are you good with it being on Saturday, just just as a fan? Now, for recruiting purposes, I think it helps OU out quite a bit that it's on Saturday. That makes the most sense for recruiting purposes. I'm just interested if anyone out there would have any interest in having it on a Thursday night like Florida does, and I don't think OU's going to do that anytime soon. I just interested in people's preference on that. Owasso's own Kendall on the text line also points out, you can watch former Owasso Ram Chris McClellan at Florida Spring Game. Yes, that is true. You certainly can. Chris McClellan did a lot more last year as a true freshman at Florida than I ever imagined he was going to do. Chris McClellan and Graham Mertz. You can watch the the Gators tonight. From the 580, bold prediction. Tanner Mordecai will be the second greatest quarterback in Wisconsin history. Behind Russell Wilson, I'm assuming, or is there some other Wisconsin great? Scott Tolzien, who used to back up Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, huh? Oh, man. Uh, 405 Thursday night spring game with no Trace Adkins. Bush League. (laughs) Hey, Florida could have uh, Trace Adkins up there for the pregame concert. I I have no idea what they're doing. Um, how about no, keep the spring game at 2.30 on a Saturday from now until Jesus comes back. 
I, I, I agree with the Saturday. It's what's best for recruiting. I think it's what's best for people out of state trying to come up for Really, like, if, if your goal is to have the largest attendance in all of college football for a spring game, which, which is what they did last year, your best bet is to have it Saturday at 2.30. It's going to be hard to, to get that type of crowd in on a Thursday or, or Friday night. 918, uh, I enjoy Saturday, huge party and recruits. Did enjoy Friday night, but stresses some folks out to make the uh, Friday kick. Uh, Florida doing Tom Petty hologram entertainment. Yes. That would be sweet. Yes. I would I would get on an airplane right now to yeah, go attend Florida Forget the game. game. I'll just hang out outside the swamp, and then at halftime or whenever that is, roll on in for that one. How about all? There's a decent number of play. Like yesterday was kind of the start where players are announcing their intentions to to hop in the portal, huh? You KU's got a wide receiver that's in the portal. A uh, and M has an all freshman center that announced his int- intentions to enter in the portal. Uh, we got a couple of players from Texas who have decided to do so. So um, next week, I think that we're probably going to see even more as a large collection of these spring games are, are happening on Saturday. And before anyone asks the question, no, Oklahoma will not be interested in either of the other two Texas transfers. Brennan Thompson is the guy you need to watch. Yep. Brennan Thompson and Brennan Thompson only. Um, gosh, what I completely lost my train of thought, Tyler. I was about to have this amazing segue into something that was tangential to the conversation that we were just having about the portal, and boom, it's gone. OU is going to get uh, the A&M uh, All-Freshman uh, Center. That's what you were going to say. Yes, Matthew Wyckoff. He's, he's going to be at the spring game uh, with Brennan Thompson. They're both going to be oh, here. Gosh. Um, Only half kidding on that. Yeah, and I, we've we've gotten several texts throughout the show. You know, should OU fans be worried about Tovani Mizell visiting Florida? No, you shouldn't be worried about Tovani Mizell visiting Florida. He's still a heavy OU lean, and that's. That's one of the th- that's one of the things that I tend to dislike about covering recruiting, Tyler, is that really whenever any OU lean visits another campus, it's do we need to be worried? No, the kids just taking other visits, as kids do. I actually liked that hire uh, by Florida when they hired Billy Napier. I thought that that was going to be a, a really good get for them. Um, look, they had the same record as OU last year. Florida didn't do a lot of good things. Now they lose their quarterback, who's going to be a top ten pick. Like all that to say, like there's some easy reasons to find like optimism for OU going into this season. Uh, you know, returning starters, recruiting class, schedule. Like there's there's some obvious ones there. It's a lot harder to find optimism for Florida, is it not? Florida's going to be at best the third te- third best team in its own division behind Georgia and Tennessee, and maybe even fourth behind teams like South Carolina and Kentucky. I, I like the Billy Napier hire when it was made, but, dude, this is a big year for him, and I'm just not so sure that Florida's going to break through. Like, I just I, – I'd be, I'd be a little bit nervous if I was a Florida fan going into this year. There's a lot riding on DJ Lagway's shoulders because you're only going to be so good with Graham Mertz playing quarterback. You have the chance to rise to the tip of the top amongst the SEC programs once DJ Lagway is established in the system and playing his best ball. And if he's all he's cracked up to be, that's the point at which I can see Florida becoming a relevant household name across college football once again. But it might be a year or two before that happens. Uh, Sooner Dougie says no college football should be played on Saturday in the afternoon and not 11 a.m. Saturday night is okay as well. 
Uh, let's see, you get to a few more here. Is someone performing at the spring game? If not, we need to get Academy Award winning 3-6 Mafia. That's from Sugar Shane. <laughs> <laughs> anyone, and I mean anyone but Lee Bryce, says J.G. Wentworth. Uh, okay, all right. You guys are making it pretty clear uh, what your preferences are for the spring game. Uh, here you go from the 405. Are there any notable players that are leaning toward other schools that are OVing to Oklahoma? We can't be the only fan base that freaks out over that scenario. Well, here's one for you. Sammy Brown is OVing to Oklahoma. So I, I, I don't think Clemson fans are – I don't think their teeth are chattering over on their message boards about Oklahoma being a serious threat there. But, you know, things can change. Sands can shift once official visits come around, but I tend to be much less worried about that happening when kids are just taking trips during the spring on their own dime time. 405-651-3439. More text to get to. More college football next. Keep it locked in the ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune. New ESPN 300 rankings. We brought those up yesterday, but I was looking for uh, – all of the Oklahoma kids that were in the uh, top 300 from ESPN, well, all two Oklahoma kids. Danny Okoye out of the Tulsa area at 147, and the disrespect for Zadavian Sims at 292 in the ESPN 300. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I won't pull out the megaphone because it'll make this microphone overmodulate, but again, I will just let you all know, do not pay attention to ESPN for recruiting <laughs> rankings. Uh, retweet on that one. I'll retweet it. Uh, listening from Lindsay, population of around 2,000 people, small town of the day. We've already done the small town of the day. If, if you guys want to submit on the text line for the small town of the day, do it at like 2, 205, 210, 215. Got to be like, between 2 and 215. Yeah, we do it like 220 That's every day. when submissions are valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2 and 215, that's your window. Okie Drink Slinger said, can we get Tool to perform at the spring game so Teddy will actually be excited to be there? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He may go as a fan if that happens. Uh, and to point out, yes, I bet we finished with a top five class again this year. They, they made another point. Um, top five class, yeah, that show me what they do on the defensive line. Like, if they get three out of the big four on the uh, defensive line, I think that there's – I think that there's a legitimate chance they could they could finish in the top five. But you know Bama's going to make a run. Yep. Georgia's going to have the number one class. Again, I'll mention Ohio State and Michigan. Like top five spots are <laughs> they're, they're starting to uh they're starting to fill up a little bit. Yeah, there will be an ebb and flow. You know what's weird to me, Tyler, and this is relevant to recruiting because I feel like I've seen the take a uh, a couple times on the text line this week that well you just gotta wait for Ohio State to lose to Michigan again and Ryan Day's on thin ice up there and the Buckeyes class is gonna start to fall apart like do people actually believe that Ryan Day is in danger of losing his job at Ohio State because they can't win a college football playoff game I don't know what they think up there. They really are embarrassed by losing to Michigan in back-to-back -back years. I'm just saying, like, it sounds Ohio crazy. State, I know it sounds yes. crazy if he goes 11-1 and one, and that's his only loss and they were to fire him. That's but. a Nebraska move right there. That is something the Nebraska administration would do. And that is not me saying Ohio State would become the next Nebraska. What I'm saying is when you decide to fire a coach that has been that successful just because he's repeatedly bumping against the ceiling – 
Damn, you better make darn sure you know what you're doing. Otherwise, things can take a turn for the worse real quickly. Even if they were to fire Ryan Day, Ohio State's one of those jobs that they're going to routinely recruit in the top 10, top 8, and maybe even top 5. I mean, Ohio State's going to get players regardless if Ryan Day is there or not. Uh, attendance numbers that we should see, greater than or less than 75,000. For the spring game this year, well, yeah, I might go under 75K I would year. definitely go under, seeing as how last year it was, what, 72? There's no way this year's spring game is going to be better attended than last year's. Not a chance. No, I don't think so either. I would say if you get 60K, be pleased with that. Oh, I would I take would 60K? Yeah. Oh, that'd be a great turnout. I would yeah. guess it's between 50 and 55. Yeah, 60K would be awesome. I, I don't know if Britt Vittables in OU would take that right now, but that would be a fantastic turnout if, if they got that. But better than last year? Yeah, I don't know. Someone was asking if uh, Baker's going to return the favor and show up for Kyla Murray's uh, event. Yeah, he's having a Top Golf event like the Friday before, I think, correct? Baker's going to be in town, and then Bob Stoops told us on the rush that Bob's going to be in town as well. Bob has a game the next day, his final XFL regular season game, is that Sunday after the spring game. But Bob's still going to make that happen. He's still going to be a Norman, which is really cool. He's moved some things around, but he's like, I'm not missing Kyler's uh, Heisman statue. Are you kidding me? He wasn't even the head coach when, when Kyler won his Bob Heisman. Bob gets Didn't around, care. man. He's taking advantage of not having to go to any recruiting meetings. Program guy right there. <laughs> Program guy. All right, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.